Welcome to the Geek to Geek Podcast, where it is time for the best of the rest of the year. I'm Void, and it's kind of weird to be here without Beej this week, because we typically do this together, especially the end of the year podcasts. Um, he really wanted to be here, but he had an unexpected family emergency come up. So he told me, go ahead, record yours, and he's going to try to find 30 minutes between other things going on in life and record his part of this so we don't actually have one together this year which bums both of us out but sometimes life happens and we still wanted to do our best of the rest episode in one way or another this year so we're doing it even though it's separate and if there's anything that comes up that we do want to bounce off each other we'll do that when we kick off season six in a couple weeks here so This is just my best of the rest. I'm going to tentatively call this part one question mark, and hopefully BJ will have a chance to drop part two into the feed at some point soon. No promises, just because he's dealing with a lot right now, but hopefully all is well and he can get that into the feed. He really wants to, I promise. Um, As a reminder, before I dive into mine, these are always based on what we experience in 2020. So mostly these are things that were released this year, but some are from previous years. And then this is just the first year that like we personally experienced it. That's kind of what qualifies something in here is if this is the year that we first encountered it, then it's going to be able to be eligible for our best of the rest year. Uh, list of the year. The one other thing before I dive in is to keep in mind that as of when I'm recording this and you know if BJ records soon too around the same time um, some things that are technically coming out in 2020 aren't actually out yet. So Wonder Woman 1984 has not released yet. I know that's a big one that BJ is excited for that will probably roll over into next year's list instead. Um, And then Mandalorian season two is a big one for me that that's it's just not finished yet. Like there's a couple episodes left as of when I'm recording this. Um, So I will kick that into eligibility for next year instead of this year. Um, A a couple other things like Dune got pushed back into next year. WandaVision is now yet. Stuff like that that I think is going to actually land in 2021 based on release dates now. But just keep that in mind that there's a couple things that are kind of releasing near the end of the year here that will be eligible next year instead. Okay, that's plenty of preamble. I'm going to dive into it. Um, I have some honorable mentions here. So honorable mentions for me, this is kind of runs the gamut. There's a lot of things in here. Um... Apps is the first section I want to dive into. There's just a couple here, but um, two that kind of go hand in hand are Lose It and Run Keeper. So I know I've talked about this was kind of like my year of wellness. I wanted to just reboot how I was doing with wellness. And these are the two apps that I ended up using every single day once I got into a habit. So it wasn't every day all year. But once I got into good wellness habits, I literally use Runkeeper and I use Lose It every single day. And they're just kind of part of my background routine now, but in a really good way. Like I just track these and they help me track all of my my wellness, my activity, um, how many calories I'm taking in. So Lose It is what I used to track calories and Runkeeper is what I use to track my walks and my runs, basically any kind of cardio exercise. The one other app that I wanted to give a shout out was Xbox Game Pass, the app, not Game Pass itself. And it's just because it's so convenient. Like, I love the app implementation of Game Pass because it has notifications that are actually really useful. Um, I don't usually turn on notifications in an app unless it's a communication app that I'm specifically turning them on for, like email for work or, you know, text messages, things like that. Um... Xbox Game Pass is one of the few that I let have notifications pushed to me, and it's because it tells me every time new stuff hits Game Pass, and I absolutely love that. 
I get a notification. It says, here's a bunch of new stuff. Go check it out. I open the app and I see all the new things. And then I just like tap into the ones I'm interested in. And I remote install it to my Xbox One right from within my iPhone app. Just I'm usually at work when they come through, you know, and I take all of two minutes while I'm in the middle of a working day, sometimes in the middle of a meeting. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me look at those. Oh, let's install this. and Let's install that. And the next time that I walk over to my Xbox when I get home later that night or later in the week, whenever I get around to it, they're just already installed. And like, I just I love that. I hope the PlayStation app takes some cues from the Xbox Game Pass app because I wish that it did more things along those lines. Uh, another honorable mention section here is podcasts. I usually have a couple, but as I was like looking through at what I've enjoyed listening to the most, I realized that most of the ones I'm listening to, I've been listening to for more than just this year. The one that stuck out to me was Triple Click, so I wanted to give that another shout here. Triple Click is um, a, a set of writers and podcasters from Kotaku that used to do Kotaku split screen and they left Kotaku and now they're doing it on their own. They completely own it. They completely rebranded it, but it's still the show that I used to like and it's the people on that show that I like. Um, so yeah, they're called Triple Click now. They're on the Maximum Fun Network. It's really good. So if you guys are looking for more video game podcasts, you won't go wrong with Triple Click. I highly recommend it. I feel like most of my honorable mentions this year are books. Um, I did a bunch of sci-fi books. I did The Fold by Peter Kleins, which is kind of this like trippy alternate dimension, different realities. What about transporter technology book? Um, there's a book called Recursion by Blake Crouch, which is all about how time can kind of recursively fold on itself and that book really goes places that's one that's hard to describe but i enjoyed my time with it a lot and the farther i got in the better that book was because it is recursive in its structure um the calculating stars which is also called the lady astronaut series uh by i think it's mary robinette cowell um and that one is it's really really cool it's this alternate reality take on 1950s 1960s and including women in the astronaut program a lot earlier because of like these alternate reality events that happen on earth that cause the the moon missions and the like mars missions and everything to just happen on an accelerated timeline but I like that whole series. The first one is called The Calculating Stars. Uh, another one that I know I talked about a bit on the podcast was Dresden Files. So Jim Butcher held off for a couple years because he wrote two of these books and he wanted to release them really close together because they're really two parts of one bigger story. So it's Peace Talks and it's Battleground. I like those books together a lot as one bigger story. I don't know if they stand on their own as separate stories as strong, but I waited till they were both out and then I just read them back to back and it was great that way. Another sci-fi one in here was This Is How You Lose the Time War. It was by, oh, I'm going to butcher these names and I feel bad, Amal El Motar and Max Gladstone. And it was really, really interesting. It's like a series of letters that are written between these really, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a trippy sci-fi type of book. Um, it's a novella. It's not a full-on novel. And it's one of the few books that I don't think I could have read, but I loved listening to the audiobook. So there's a lot of books that I talk about where I like the audiobook, I like reading it, I flip back and forth between the two of them a lot. This one, I don't think I could read because of the type of prose that it is, but listening to the audiobook was like perfect for me for this one. So yeah, this is how you lose the time war. It was really cool. It's not what I typically read, but I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I had one that was kind of another alternate reality, but also modern day setting called Majesty, which is um, part of the American Royals series. It's the second one. I enjoyed that a lot. 
I like the first one a lot too. So I hope that there's another one in the future. Number three, I would jump on that. Um, and then I read a little bit of, well, I've read a lot this year. I'm only calling out the ones that were the best of the best, but uh, a couple nonfiction and like real life books. Um, one was the end is always near by Dan Carlin, which I love Dan Carlin's hardcore history podcast. It's like one of my favorite podcasts out there. It's always amazingly produced. Um, the end is always near. I read this before the pandemic hit this year. I don't know if I would have picked it up after it hit. Um, but it's all about all of the different ways the world can end. And one of them is a pandemic. So kind of morbid now, but it was very interesting at the time and it stuck with me in a good way. Um, and then the last book in my honorable mentions, and this is where, you know, if instead of doing a top five best of the rest, if we did a top six, this would be my number six. This is just off my top five, literally the next one that was slot in there. It's called The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. It's a really long title of a book, but it's uh, Bob Iger and it's his basically like, I don't even know if it's an autobiography so much as it's a memoir of his time while he was working. And I saw so many similarities between like his trajectory and mine. Not that I'm going to be the CEO of a giant multi billion dollar company the way that he is but just like seeing him come up in the world of media the way that i came up and then seeing him move from being like on a production crew over to management and then moving to like executive life like that's kind of the path that my career has followed so i feel like i got a lot of really interesting insights by reading through this one it really resonated with me in a way that not a lot of memoirs or like biographies do but yeah, I, I pulled a lot of really interest, even though it's not a leadership book, it's not like a how to um, type of book. I still pulled a lot of really good like leadership lessons just out of reading through this one and internalizing a bunch of it. So I liked that a lot. Again, it's called The Ride of a Lifetime Lessons Learned from 15 Years as the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And then, of course, there's some movies and TV shows, videos that get mixed in here for honorable mentions. Uh, Mandalorian Season 2, like I said, I'm not going to let that qualify for top five here because it's not done yet. I don't actually have a full impression of it, but I really like what I've seen so far. It's just that there's a couple episodes left, so I'm going to leave it as an honorable mention. But I will also let that qualify for next year if I wanted to. Um, Into the Unknown, Making Frozen 2. I like that a lot. It was a really cool behind the scenes of how Frozen 2 was made and not the entire production, but it was kind of the last, I don't know, like nine months of production leading up to the release of that movie, which is really when the timelines start to hit, when the deadlines start to hit, when everything comes together and gets finalized. And it was so cool to see behind the scenes of Walt Disney Animation Studio and their current process. Like, I just love geeking out about filmmaking and video making and TV making process and the process behind it and everything that goes into it because that's a life that I lived for like a decade professionally. So any chance I get to see behind the scenes like that, it, it always works for me. And I guess along those lines too was uh, VFX artists react to great and bad CG or bad and great CG, depending on when you look at it and how they title it. Um, it's by Corridor Crew. And Corridor Crew, the stuff they put out, it's always kind of hit and miss for me. Some of it I like, some of it I, it just doesn't work for me. But this whole series about VFX artists react, and there's a whole second series too about Stuntman react, which is also very good. Um, it's way up there. But I think the VFX one is their best one. And they are like professional VFX artists, and they go in and they break down movies, they break down TV shows, they break down things you've never heard of and things that you have heard of, um, the top of the top tier movies, the bottom of the bucket movies. It's just like 
it's it's all over the place and it's all coming from a place of good right they're never making fun of anyone to make fun of someone it's like they will pick apart the vfx because they want to get better they want people to know what makes good vfx they want to improve it as an art form and they'll also go into these really like low budget movies that very obviously have rough vfx and they talk about like okay what are low cost ways to make this better like how would you improve this if you were in charge of it and those are just as interesting as the times that they're diving into like the very very high-end vfx either way i love this whole series it's really really good i highly recommend it if you have any interest in like visual effects at all and that brings us or me i guess me to the midway point uh this is where i'm not going to plug a bunch of stuff because it's the end of the year but Like I did in the last episode, I want to remind you that reviews go a long way. So if you haven't ever reviewed the podcast, now is the time to do it while you're thinking about it in the middle of an episode. If you say, oh yeah, I'll do that later when I'm at the end of the episode or later tonight, you're not going to, you're going to forget and that's okay. But now is the perfect time to dive into whatever podcast app you are listening to this on and give us a review, hopefully five star or 10 out of 10 or whatever the rating system is, thumbs up, something positive. Um, Those go a long way towards helping people find the show and we really appreciate it. And with that being said, this is where I traditionally leave a gap for a special guest spot. So we will find out if I have one because they will show up right here. I'm here with my special guest. I got a special guest. As long as this recording goes well, it will make it to the podcast. Will this go well? No pressure. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Who made the first mistake there? I did. I bonked the microphone. You did. After this whole song and dance you just gave me about staying inches or so away one of us is a professional yeah i think it's me at this point apparently you are here to do best of the rest you have you told me best of the rest that's the goal you told me that you have two games to share and you have two plants to share i have two games and two plants for best of the rest so okay let's do games first what are they i'm into a lot of the in-app purchases games are those free to play free to play games and when you do those, they cost a couple dollars to get rid of the ads because mm-hmm. there's ads constantly. Yes. So in the first few levels, you figure out if you're actually into it or not. And you can choose to buy it for, I mean, the first one I paid, I think, $6 for, but I'm into it. I'm still playing it every single day. That one is called Cooking Fever. I came up in restaurants, so I'm very good at the time management food cooking thing and it's really fun because they get really detailed as you open all of the restaurants and i can memorize levels in the bakery restaurant so i can grind on one level to get a bunch of gems and then i can upgrade my restaurant there's just a lot of moving parts to that game that i really like there's even a casino and you gave me a hint on the casino that you looked up that if you play the casino at the highest bet in the morning time, you have a higher chance of getting the, you know, the jackpot of gems. And I've been doing that just as part of my morning routine, just to really get a big bucket of diamonds so I can upgrade my, I think it's called the meat palace. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Yeah. But it's, so it's like halfway between, it reminds me almost of like a diner dash or like a cook serve delicious. It's like somewhere in between those two games right yeah i played diner dash a lot and the flows diner thing it's just like that there's no but there's no tables it's just the items and you um, serve custom items to customers that are right in front of you 
Yeah. No, I've watched you play it a bunch. It actually looks like a decent free-to-play game. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of variety, and it doesn't just stop. And it doesn't get, hard, like, you know, so hard that you can't do it as you go. And they're different enough that as you get access to each new location, there's a whole different genre of food that you're cooking. Like, there's an actual... There's a surprising amount of variety. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really surprised. And you just keeps going. There's... Um, there's got to be like 30 different restaurants at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. So you've been really fun. playing that one consistently. And then there's one other one. So that one is like, because I've watched you play these. That one was kind of like an active game for you. Like you're like in it and you, you'll get into like a flow state, but it's pretty actively engaged. The other one for you is almost like meditative, even though it's fast. What's that one called? That one, I think it's called 3D Match. I, there's a bunch of them out there. But the one I started on was, it was fine until it got way too hard to beat a level. And the meditative part of it is not, you know, being under an extreme time constraint trying to finish a level. So it just, it wasn't fun anymore. And I found this one from an ad that was in the first one. (laughs) Okay. Um, So it's, uh and it looked a little different, and I was already used to the look and the feel of the first one, so I didn't want to try it. But but it, I, we should say it's a matching game. It's so a, it's a matching game. Yeah. So it starts with I don't know, like a huge gashapon broken of like all of these. Like there's well, I'll, two. I'll describe it from what yeah, I've seen. Then go for so. It. You, it's like the iPad screen is there and the level starts out and it's just a big pile of stuff. So it's like 3D modeled objects and they all just kind of like land on each other and pile up. And so you're essentially like using the touch screen to dig through this pile of things to find two of the same item. And when you do, you drag them to the bottom of the screen and they match and then they go away. Right. Yes. That's and like then, the core of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a timer um, for the level and then you can use you know there's hints and and find a match for me and a magnet to you know take 10 matches away or whatever but you try yep. to beat the level in the time constraint but the second one that i downloaded uh, i've never had a problem with the timing so it's just it's truly meditative i can just do and it's the exact same like collection of items but it's different every time because you don't know where the christmas trees are gonna land i mean there's like a christmas tree there's a piano there's it's like random it's really it's a lot of things there's probably oh gosh maybe 300 300 i'm bad at spatial counting things it's a lot of things it's a lot of things and yeah that one's really really fun good so those are kind of like your top two games of the year or at least recently like of the last half year probably i think i mean recently yeah. I don't know what recently it I mean time is just a flat circle right now this yeah. year has been weird. Weird. Um okay, so that's games and then you said you had two plants and yep. you said the way you pitched this to me for best of the rest was you would bring two plants. One plant would be like a common like easy to obtain for people because we get that request a lot after you talk about plants and one would be more rare that you're just like super happy about but people might have a hard time getting. And as I look around you, I see is this seven plants for the so for yeah so tell me about the two that is it two is it seven what are we doing yeah keep that attitude that's really going to help you later all right um i have yes i only have two that are the i've called them fancy plants yeah that, but i will disclaimer 
if you are interested in getting into plants because of whatever reason um because they're green this year sure this year has caused the plant market in general to skyrocket so these common plants that i've been talking about even those are getting harder to find and so i really tried to find things that i really do see all the time there are a couple fancy plants in here that i you know curated and paid a little bit of money for so yeah uh what should we start with let's start with your favorite do you see it I do see it. So I made a joke on another episode that people liked, but also you gave me a tough time about. I said my favorite plant was the green one over there, and I pointed. It was an audio joke, and I thought it was hilarious. But my actual... Okay. My actual favorite plant is that one right there, which is green, but I know it's like a curly plant. It's a spider plant, right? It's so funny because it's not just green. Like It's got white on it, too. That's one of the selling characteristics of, of of it. That I mean, you see that it is two colors, right? Yes, it's two greens. It's two different. Like, this one is solid green. That one actually has a white stripe down each leaf. Like If um, you call that white, okay. Well, I do because I have eyes like a human <laughs> does. But, I mean, look at that. That stripe down the middle. That I is guess that... in the center. It's, yeah, okay, sure, yes. Is this a spider plant? What's this called? It's this a curly called, one. This is a curly spider plant. Okay. Or a bonnie spider plant. Yep. I do like this plant because if you put it in a pot with like a head, then it looks like hair. You don't put it in a pot with a head. The pot looks like a head. The pot, yeah, that's a distinct, I mean, we gotta just clarify that one All for right. people. But yeah, I have a little statue. It's like a marble statue bust kind of thing. And the the top of it is, you know... It holds a little four-inch pot. So spider plant, awesome choice for that one. I have another one in the same vein. The spider plant, pretty common, cheap. I would, I mean, this whole thing, maybe $7. And they're awesome and curly. And they grow really, really fast. They're super easy care. They can go anywhere in the house. They can uh, take a lot of different kinds of light, a lot of different watering schedules. I really recommend this one. And there's straight ones and there's different colors and all this stuff. The curly one is the correct choice. I really choice. like the curly one. I really yes. do. And I took one of the babies off of the curly spider plant that I have downstairs and I put it in your Bulbasaur planter. Yes, it's awesome. And it sits right next to your desk and it's I'm watering it like it's not yours. No, it's, it's yours. It's I just mine. get to admire it's it. It's just next to you. Um, the other one that I have in a head planter technically a head it's really a skull because i have a couple skulls around i'm yeah that's kind of my aesthetic and i've gotten really into plant trading online uh this year so this was one of the trades i did was for a 3d custom printed planter of a skull i do like this skull it's um I don't know, what did you, a, a cantaloupe sized skull. And she had to order, special order, the ivory thread for her printer because she printed it in white and said, oh no, that's not where we're going. Like she was so <laughs> into the idea when I sent her a picture that she ordered special uh, thread for me. And in this skull printer. When you say thread, it's like whatever the 3D printing material. Yeah, she, is, right? she called it thread. Okay. So, and it looked like a spool of thread, but it wasn't. Like, you know, cotton, it was whatever material this is made out of. Uh, 
But I think the detail on this planter is awesome. But inside is my second plant, and this is becoming very, very common. I can see this at Home Depot. I can see it at grocery stores. It's called a staghorn fern. There are a lot of different types. Any type is fine. Um, It's a replacement for antlers, like a taxidermied animal on the wall, because you can attach it to a plank of wood, and it'll hang like that against the wall. And since it's called a staghorn, like they're the mature leaves look like antlers and they get huge. You can Google any type online and yeah, and they grow really fast. Um, they're, they don't behave like a normal fern. Normal ferns are very finicky and you kill them very, very easily. You would kill one just by looking at it. Yes, so true. It's, it's a really easy care plant, just as easy as the spider plant. So yeah, that one's really accessible. And it goes really well in a skull planter if you if you have, have one if you of those have around. One of those, I mean, they're commercially available. Okay, so that's two plants out of your that's a bunch. Two. Yep. Um, my next one is um, a different kind. This is um, maybe one more level ad- advanced than um, than the spider and the staghorn. This is a calathea. It is by far the easiest calathea of I'm, I've had almost all calatheas and this one it does it it should be it shouldn't be a calathea it's that easy uh it's called the musaica or the mosaic calathea okay and it's one that's available which one um, point to it for me that one. doesn't help the audio listeners okay. that helps me a lot okay it's this one so this is available at grocery stores there's and i i see it all the time at home depot they restock them every other week so it's very accessible um I can't really describe the leaf. It's a spade-shaped leaf. It's green. It's ruffly. Stop it. And <laughs> it's got this pattern. Do you see that network No, the pattern, pattern? is really cool. I'm I I'm holding it up to the light, and it's like a cross-hatching I mean, it's pattern. also green. I'm not wrong. But yes, no, the pattern is cool. I get it. That joke is going to die tonight. So If I keep saying it, does it make it better? No. Okay. <laughs> but the cross-hatching on each leaf is... It's just really astounding that nature has something just naturally happening like this. And I, I really appreciate it. Um, and again, easy care. This one's in a pretty dark bathroom and it's getting tall and luscious and it's growing even into the winter season now. So I really like that one. That's Calathea musaica or mosaic Calathea. Does that bring us to the rare plant section or is this still easy care, easy find? I would say next one is easy care, medium find. It should be easy find, but just because of the way the market is right now. Okay. Much like bikes and PS5s, plants are hard to get. I would say so. Yeah. Basically the same. You could get uh you could get this plant a lot easier than you could get a PS5. Okay. Okay. This one is a Syndapsis pictus exotica. I know my number 2 plant last year was a version of this plant. And this one it's the same except it's got bigger leaves. That's It's it. the same but different. It's the same but different. Yep. Uh that's that's exactly it. The <laughs> leaves are thicker. I'm feeling one now. You should feel one. It's um it's I'm also feeling one now. It's thicker like a suede or a leather texture. All right. And 
It's uh, really easy care. Uh, we say that this plant has very good language. When it's thirsty, the leaves will curl under and get a little wilty, and then it needs a drink, and it'll pop right back up. Oh, so it lets you know that it needs things. Yes, it tells you. It's like, hey, you know what? You uh, got to look at me more, and you got to give me a drink. And it's not a diva at all. And it's grown gangbusters. It is. Yeah, that like, thing is. It's just, it's big. It's it gotten is. really big, and I'm super proud of that. Cool. I did that. You did. Good job. The plant did it, but you I helped. was the only one that chose where it was, and I was the only one that cared about it. You did the hard work besides actually physically being the one growing. Yeah. Yep. Okay, what's next? What else? Where's your rare? You said you had a rare. I have two rares. Okay, where are... Th- so- but I have, one, I have one more common one. Oh, okay. What's the common? So just like the exotica, I'm super... So hang I'm on. Just super... to recap, we're on plant five out of two, right? Correct. Okay. So this one is um, a Hoya. Hoya is my favorite genus. I knew that. I don't retain a lot about plants, even though I listen and I smile and nod a lot. I do know that you like a good Hoya. I do like a good Hoya. And this is a super common Hoya. This is a Hoya Carnosa Crimson Princess. So the princess is the variegation is on the inside of the leaf. So the inside of the leaf has uh, white and the new leaves are tinged. Variegation with meaning like color differential color in differential, plants. Yeah. 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 And the newer leaves and the stems are pink. So that's where crimson comes from. That does look cool. And I've had this one uh, since the very, very beginning of my plant collecting and it didn't have any trailing vines when I got it. And now it's 10 inches below the pot so yeah i've done really really well with this plant this plant really likes me so it is one of my favorites extremely accessible so this is a common this is a common okay so before we move on to the rares then just for audio listeners who may be like okay i want common that's easy to find what's the quick recap here what are the five names of these staghorn fern yep Syndapsis pictus exotica. Okay. Bonnie spider plant or curly spider plant. Yeah, that's the bomb one. Get that one. Yeah, that's awesome. And the Calathea musaica. Okay. I've seen all of these in Home Depot. And the one that you just did. Lowe's. Oh, yeah. And the Hoya Crimson Princess. Yeah, a good Hoya. Yep. So local shops, Home Depots, Lowe's, grocery stores. I've seen them in all of these places. So very accessible. And easy care. Okay. So now we're moving on to rare. So my first rare is a Hoya. Okay. And I'm, I love this one so much. It's called a- You love a good Hoya. I love a good Hoya. It's called a Hoya (laughs) Matilde. Yeah. And it is a cross. Oh, I should know this. It's a cross between two other Hoyas. There's probably 1,600, 1,700 Hoya in the Hoya genus. All right. And you can cross any of them. So, you know, this is a cross of two. Okay. And it's Ahoya Matilde. It's really easy care and it's a really fast grower. It's just a little bit less accessible. I got this one on Etsy, but it's grown so much. I think I paid money, US dollars for, I'm pinching like this, this much. So that much. All right. That's not a whole lot. Yeah. Prep. It's a, it's a 10 inch stem with two, four, six, eight leaves and one growth point. And now I'm holding a five inch pot with probably seven growth points. 
Um, so yeah, it's done really, really well for me. And it's easy as far as Hoyas go. Again, really good language. Uh, so it tells me when it needs water by getting a little soft with the leaves. You can feel a leaf and it's a little bit bendy. So that one would like a drink, please. And I have it in a clear plastic container so I can see the roots and make sure the roots are growing down and the roots are staying healthy because I really want to avoid killing this at all costs. Yep. Like I would not be able to replace this plant. I think um, what I paid for it, if I were, I would never be able to find one for sale this size. I would have to buy probably five different pieces to make one this size and it would be hundreds of dollars wow to get this one um like back to that size back to the size in the market right now i got this a while ago um but this was my dream plant at the time so i just yeah took a big exhale and but you bought a little cutting and you grew it yeah i just i stare at it constantly it's in a place of pride on my little shelf over there awesome so my last one yeah did you save the best for last or is this just last by chance i think it's just last by chance because i had the two I tried to come with a variety. They're not all Hoya. They're not all, you know, they're not all the same, actually. I've really tried to curate a collection that I enjoy that's all different. I think the only type that I don't have in this bit is a Monstera and a Syngonium. Okay. Which are also very easy care and accessible. I'm not a plant snob. I've tried to be a plant snob. I don't like those plants, like the super 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 fancy plants i'm actually trying to get rid of one right now so what's the last plant nobody wants it um this last one where is it it's under the chair hang on this is my last one Uh, so the second one we'll say and it is a philodendron cream splash and i would say it's a rare Heartleaf philodendron. I think I've said heartleaf philodendron way long ago as a very, very beginner plant. There's a lot of colors or cultivars of that plant. There's a yellow one and um, and a green one. Those are very accessible. So this is one step up from that. And the variegation, again, that's um, some cream striping and lime striping through the middle of the leaves. And it it's kind of a collector thing. Like you have you have all the different cultivars of one type of plant, and this is just one of the collection okay. that I have. And I really enjoy the coloration or the variegation, and it has grown really, really well for me, uh, which is really nice. It's fun to find uh, new patterns in all of these leaves, and the new leaves kind of come in a little pink, which is really nice. Like, look at that. Yeah, well, and all of the leaves look like kind of elongated hearts because you said it's like a heart leaf. Yeah, it's a heart leaf philodendron. Yep. So the main, the main big trailing thing on the desk downstairs that's just a standard heart leaf philodendron, and then I have the neon yellow version and the yellow variegated version, which is all of those can be found at Home Depot or Lowe's. And but th- this, this one, specific one has like a cool stripe of a different color right down the middle of each leaf. Yeah, it's just this. I mean, it's hard. We it's don't called have the what's best it called? Cream splash. It's cream splash. There's debate whether or not the cultivar named Rio is or silver stripe are the same as cream splash. Plant drama. I can't tell them apart. Like at all but i'm not a plant per like i guess i am a plant person wow i actually almost said that sentence yeah i wasn't gonna let that go but yeah um i can't tell them apart i'm pretty sure i got all of these cuttings 
in this pot in different trades and they were traded to me as different types. But you can't, I mean, this, this might be a different type to this. Okay. They all look very similar. They're so similar that I'm, I mean, I'm never going to trade this. But this is rare. As yeah, I guess as like a specialty thing. Um, so it's mine. I don't care what it is. It's really pretty and it likes me. Cool. So I'm going to keep it. All right. So you had your five commons and you have your two rares Mm -hmm. for the two plants we were going to do. We got seven. What were the recap? The two rares again, what are they called? Hoya Matilde. Yep. And this is Philodendron Cream Splash. Nice. Any final parting thoughts for people that may want to get into plants or free-to-play games? Mostly plants, I think. Well, I always find my next free-to-play game watching the ads in the free-to-play game I'm playing now. So what I would say is don't download and play a bunch of them all at once because you'll have the novelty of a new game if you just play the one that you're on until you are bored of it. And then you can move on to the next one. I know, obviously, there's going to be some people that can't just play one at a time. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, that would be that's something that I do. Okay, I will, I'll ask one final question then. Hmm. If somebody wants to get a plant and they don't know what they're doing, where's the best place to go? Is it like a Home Depot? Because I know you talk about a lot of like common places like you can go to the grocery store or a home depot compared to like a dedicated plant shop like where's their first stop if they want to get like their first plant or two if you want to get a good quality plant i would google like local greenhouses local tropical greenhouses some greenhouses only do like outdoor landscaping bushes and perennials and native stuff but if they have a tropicals collection Um, I would definitely recommend going there and just looking around and seeing what's available. And then if you see something um, that you like that's in your budget, go ahead and try it. Because I think overall the quality and the health of the plants at a local place is going to be better. And that gives you a better chance if you're starting out. Um, But I won't ever knock buying any plant at Home Depot or Lowe's because I think if you're going to get into plants, you're going to be a plant person. You go through a cycle of I have to get all the plants and then you get to a stage where you I'm going to save that. I don't care. There's no leaves and it's rotten and I'm going to try to save anything I can. And that's you find yourself in the clearance section at Home Depot (laughs) buying everything with a yellow sticker on it. Like you can buy anything you want. Try it. And you know what? It's a plant. If it dies, it dies. I mean, I've got some that I've spent like real money on that I'm really trying, but I didn't buy those until I was sure that I could take care of that because I would be sad if I lost those. But the majority of my stuff is pretty common, uh, easily replaceable because I don't, yeah, it's supposed to be fun. It's a hobby. It's supposed to be fun. Don't let it stress you out too much. We're not going to be plant snobs. No, I'm, I'm trying not to be a plant snob. And I'm looking at my, you know, plant room here. Um, and I've got a plant that's going literally to the ceiling on a trellis that I built for it. So you can get pretty deep into this. I'm kind of looking around and seeing that that is me. I am, yeah, I'm probably up to my shoulders right now, but still swimming. Excellent. Well, thank you for being on the podcast on your annual recap of plants and random games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say that you should also invest in distilled water 
I'm looking at the floor right now. I just bought 12 gallons of distilled water for watering and for my humidifiers. That's a lot. I think normal people don't have 12 gallons of distilled water to the point where, you know, I didn't notice that it was there just now until just now. And I'm back. Now you guys know if I had a special guest or not. I don't know as of when I'm actually recording this, but I'll find out later when I'm editing. That's for sure. Um, And it brings me to my top five. So again, I'm going to leave BJ's because he's really going to try to get a a quick episode up in the feed between other things he's dealing with. But my top five here, I'll just go five down to one. Um, Number five for me is Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. And it's specifically Disney Gallery, which is the whole behind the scenes series. It's eight full episodes, which is just as many episodes as were in the first season of The Mandalorian. And it's all about the behind the scenes. They have things from like legacy to the director to the actors. But the episodes that I found the most interesting were like the technology, the music, the production process, right? This goes back to what I was talking about with like the VFX stuff, the stuff with like Into the Unknown making Frozen 2. Like the things that resonate with me that are behind the scenes of the TV production, of the film production, video production whatever you want to call it um i love how disney gallery the mandalorian dove into that and just dug into it and it's like it's absolutely one of my favorite things that i saw this year was that whole series of eight episodes um it's really really good if you want a great just fantastic behind the scenes you won't go wrong with this one again it's called disney gallery colon the mandalorian that's my number five My number four this year is Friends at the Table, specifically the Partisan series. So they have a bunch of seasons. All of the seasons are different settings, um, or not all different settings. Some of them are part of wider campaigns that span multiple seasons. But this latest season that they're in the middle of, they're just wrapping it up now, as of when I'm recording this, is called Partisan. And it's fantastic. It's this future, it's not cyberpunk, but it's kind of like mech, like mech almost anime levels of like mech and uh futuristic sci-fi show i i just love it i love it like i've found um live plays in the past that i like like the adventure zone i've never found one that's like a modern setting or a futuristic sci-fi setting that i liked until i ran into partisan and partisan is just i don't know i there's something about it that works for me i love it and i've since then i've gone back and i did kind of a deep dive into their backlog of you know all their earlier seasons and they've been building on this sci-fi fantasy world for like years and years i didn't realize that um it's probably one of the reasons that it feels so in-depth in partisan but the thing about partisan is that it's set like tens of thousands of years in the future from any of the other campaigns that they've done so you don't need any previous knowledge to dive into it you can just start at the beginning of this season and it's a perfect onboarding point so yeah that is my favorite live play of the year and probably my favorite podcast of the year that's new anyway my favorite new podcast of the year um is friends at the table the partisan season for number three i feel like i can't get out of a single year lately without mentioning hamilton and you know it was the music in one year and then it was me getting to see it live action and now this year it is the filmed stage production with the original broadway cast that went out on disney plus i i don't know i I still love hamilton uh, you know as a work of art as uh, a musical as everything that it is and now 
it's brought to the masses finally, finally. And also, you can watch it whenever you want. You know, you don't have to pay hundreds of dollars to go get tickets and go sit in a seat in a theater, which especially this year, we're not really sitting in theaters. Um, you can just watch it on Disney Plus whenever you want to. So yeah, the the Hamilton filmed stage production, like on Disney Plus, I have watched it, I don't even know how many times since it came out. And you guys probably know by now, I don't really rewatch stuff. So the fact that I've watched this enough times that I lost count of how many times I've rewatched it should say a lot, but that's also why it's my number three. It's not my number two or my number one because it's not brand new, right? Um, this has made my list the past couple of years for like the actual stage production that I saw in person and for the original Broadway cast uh, soundtrack. Um, that's why it's not brand new, but it's still, it's so good. It's just so good. So it makes my number three. My number two this year is a book series, which I've talked about, and I still feel like I never do a very good job of explaining it, which is just kind of an interesting setting. Um, it's called Scythe, and the book series is, you know, there's three books in it. There's uh, Scythe, there's The Thunderhead, and there's The Toll. Um, Scythe is the first book in the series. It's by Neil Shusterman, and it's kind of a book series about what does a post-scarcity world look like when like death has been vanquished but the ability to cause death is given to a small group of people they're called the sides um it's this it's extended investigation and meditation on the meaning of death in our lives and it's this really interesting story into like onboarding into that world but also living in a post-scarcity world where everything is taken care of for you and you never really have to worry about anything except for this one group that has to like kill just a small part of the population to like keep humanity in check it's it's really interesting and in a year where i i don't know i mean i read early in the year right again this was kind of a pre-covid thing i don't know how much you want to read about the meaning of death and kind of meditations on what it means to be alive and post-scarcity society and futuristic like lookings at all of that type of thing in the world we're in right now but when i read this early in the year like january february um it just it clicked with me it resonated with me and it has stuck with me all year it's probably one of the things that i've thought about the most across this entire year and i actually went back and i reread the entire thing before recording this episode because i just wanted to make sure that like it was still good on the second read again just like stuff i don't really rewatch i don't really reread books that often either so the fact that i was willing to go back and reread this book series for the second time in one year and it was three whole books like that says a lot about how much I like the series. So yeah, highly recommend uh, you start with the first book. It's called Scythe. And if you just want that one standalone book, it works as a standalone too. No problem. But it's by Neil Schusterman and it's really, really good. And the last one on here, number one. I know I've talked about this a bunch when it was earlier in the year, but the Clone Wars finale story arc. This is season seven of the Clone Wars animated TV show. I mean, CG graphics, but animated. The last four episodes of it are just amazing. It's fantastic. There is nothing else in the Clone Wars TV show that is as good as those last four episodes. They stand apart from the rest. And they are structured in a way where it is basically a standalone movie. It's a standalone movie that is essentially Ahsoka and the Mandalorians and Darth Maul. And it also touches on Anakin and Obi-Wan 
And it's also a companion piece to Revenge of the Sith, which is episode three, if you haven't watched it in a while. It's all of those things. But the fact is, you don't need any prep at all to go into it. And I know it's a weird recommendation, but there are a few people that I was able to convince to actually do this this year, and I would highly, highly recommend it. Don't feel like you have to watch seven seasons of The Clone Wars, even though there's a lot of good stuff in there, but it's kind of hit and miss as a series, and it's a huge commitment, right? That's seven seasons of TV. Like, that's a big ask. You don't need to do that. You can literally go watch the last four episodes of the entire series, and you will get what is ultimately kind of a standalone movie. It's just structured over four different episodes of a TV show instead of as like one big movie, but it is in essence a Star Wars movie. And the people I've convinced of this who actually sat down and watched it came back and told me, oh, I didn't believe you, but you were right. And so that was kind of, uh, that made me feel better. You know, I wasn't so sure, but after they came back and they were like, I'm so glad I watched that. Um, Especially after some of the episodes of The Mandalorian season two came out. And there's a lot of things that happen at the end of Clone Wars that touch on that. I'm not going to give you any more information than that because I don't want to spoil things. But I will say if you're enjoying The Mandalorian Season 2, you might get a lot out of those last four episodes of the Clone Wars TV show. Um, I have to convince BJ to watch this. He hasn't watched it yet, and I think he's going to love it whenever he gets around to it. He's just also had a busy year, and he hasn't gotten to it yet. So some point I'll get him around to watching it, and I think he's going to like it a lot. And that's kind of it for the year, which is weird to be wrapping up without BJ. Again, hopefully he will have another episode in the feed between now and when we kick off season six. That's his goal, but if he doesn't get it in there, then this will just be part one with a question mark and standalone, and we'll all know that he did his best, and it's okay. Um, The other thing to keep in mind is we are going to take our first ever hiatus week or two as we kick off January. It depends how scheduling works out here. Um, We will come back probably the second or third week of January to start season six, but we've never really taken a week off. And so we are overdue. We're going to make ourselves take a week off so that we feel like we can do that going forward. Um, So we're just going to force one here right at the beginning of season six. But after a week or maybe two off, depending on how scheduling works out, we will be back to kick off season six. And then we should be mostly weekly again um, as we get into the new year. So hopefully you had a good holidays. Hopefully your new year is starting out correctly and starting out right. Um, Yeah, we'll be back soon. That's it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. As you know, we have Slack, we have Discord, all of that at geek2geekmedia.com. You can get invite links and join us there. There's always discussions going on. I blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. BJ is at Professor Beej. That's speech with two E's. And he's also a co-host on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. Um, you can find him all of those places. I've been Void and BJ's here in spirit, if not in actuality. This is your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. 
all dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep, and each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes, Keanu. 